This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we're going to spotlight negotiation tactics, and in particular, the art of skilled legal negotiating. And joining me today to help is my co-host and Ringler colleague from Atlanta, Georgia, Bill Wright. Bill is the leader of the Atlanta area Ringler Associates office. And he brings more than 20 years of experience in settlement planning, financial risk management, and insurance. And uh, Bill, welcome to Ringle Radio. Glad to have you back with me. Thanks, Larry. It's great to be back with you. Super. And our special guest today is Professor Seth Freeman, Professor of Negotiation and Conflict Management at NYU Stern School of Business and also at Columbia University. He regularly trains Fortune 500 executives, senior United Nations diplomats, and leading attorneys and law students. His columns have appeared in the New York Times and other national publications, and he's the author of the soon-to-be-published book, The Ready and Able Negotiator. Seth is a student of alternative dispute resolution and a trained mediator. He's also a former corporate lawyer who has worked on complex negotiations worth lots and lots of money. So, Seth, welcome to Ringle Radio, and if you want to find out more information about you, I understand people can go to ProfessorFreeman.com. Welcome, Seth. Exactly, Larry. Thank you very much, Larry and Bill. Terrific. Well, Seth, let's begin uh, with your present role as professor of negotiation and conflict management at NYU Stern School of Business and at Columbia University. That seems uh, like quite a full plate for you. Tell us about it. It is. Uh, I've had the pleasure of doing it for uh, many years now, and um, I find that it's hugely satisfying because it allows us to uh, see students go in um, to situations where they thought there was no hope for um, for satisfying results, no hope for uh, resolving this conflict, no hope that uh, this business could be turned around, no hope that this family could be uh, restored, and use their training and bring forth, you know, harmony and forgiveness and justice and uh, prosperity. And sometimes uh, their colleagues and their friends are just dazzled and amazed. I go, how does that happen? And it turns out it's not magic at all. It's just the basic process of negotiation is 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 more learnable than you typically would expect. Seth, you said that skilled legal negotiating doesn't necessarily focus on winning so much as on meeting the client's needs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Bill. Um, Bob Manukin is a professor of uh, law at Harvard uh, Law School, and he's uh, been one of the uh, leaders of the Harvard program on negotiation. And years ago, he wrote a book called Beyond Winning. And the thesis of it is that lawyers' uh, focus on just winning the case is actually very myopic and uh, antithetical in many cases to the client's actual needs. And what he advocates is an approach that uh, in negotiation training we really emphasize, and that is uh, a more interest-based approach, focusing on what the client's real concerns are. 
and um, he's not alone in that. This is um, this has been the wisdom of uh, of a gentleman I've had the privilege of observing many times, uh, Frank Scardilli, who's the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals um, uh, counsel and uh, lead mediator uh, for that court. And I've seen him in action, and afterwards. Um, I've seen him shake his head, even though he's a Yale-trained lawyer uh, and a professor of law himself. He'll say, you know, over the last several years, I've seen this myopic belief on lawyers' parts that zealousness means just incessantly fighting and fighting to a point that's become almost a form of fanaticism. And both Mnuchin and Scardilli are saying there's really something wrong with that outlook, and it's got to really be, it's got to change if, if clients themselves are going to be well-served. Well, that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, Seth, here on Ringle Radio, we like to hear about real-life stories. Our audience always loves it when real people are involved. Can you share a story with us on negotiating and meeting clients' needs? Tell us, uh, tell us a real-world uh, story. I'd be happy to. Um, one of my students shared this one with me. He was um, running a, a small deli that he'd uh, built in a uh, strip mall in New Jersey. It was his own company. And he'd negotiated a rather poor deal with the landlord. He wasn't able to have hot plate service. He wasn't able to have a big sign. And really the only, and actually the rent was pretty high. The only thing that was good about it was that there was a provision in the lease that said there will be no other delis in this strip mall. So a year in, he's not making much money at all. And his ambition is to make enough to get to business school. And one day as he's opening up his store, he looks over and he discovers that nearby in the same strip mall is a competing deli that's opening up. Clear violation of the lease. He's furious. He goes to a lawyer and he tells the lawyer a story, shows him the lease and says, I want you to sue this guy, this landlord. He's clearly ruining me. And the, 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 the lawyer hears him out and he nods, very experienced attorney, and he goes, okay, yeah, I see you may have a case. I get that. And then he says, tell me about your needs. And surprised, the, uh, the, 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 the student tells the story about how frustrated he is with the, the signage and with the, the, the hot plate uh, problem and, and the, the high rent. And, he goes, and, and the, landlord, the lawyer says, hmm, okay, I think I get the situation. Let me go talk to the, uh, the landlord, and I'll be back in touch with you. And a couple of weeks later, the lawyer calls him back and says, now, you're absolutely right, we could sue him. But what if I could get you an arrangement where you could have hot plate service, a big sign, you would have a third, uh, a thirty-three percent reduction in your your rent, and when by the as long as you permitted this other deli to operate. And by the way, my own experience is that when you have two delis, they actually generate more business than any one alone. And the the student said, "You could get that for me," and the the lawyer said, "Yeah, I could get that for you right away." They did the deal, and the student's profits just soared, and he was able to get to business school a year earlier than he planned. <laughs> and when I shared that story with Bob Mnookin, he was so impressed with it, he used it as the opening story of his book on Beyond, on Beyond Winning. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's true. Sometimes uh, people anticipate the worst, and uh, once, you, once you delve into it, uh, you, you, never, you never know what you're going to find, and... Sometimes things can resolve themselves a lot quicker than, and easier than you thought. Indeed, exactly. And that's the surprise, is that uh, we typically think the worst, and sometimes that's well-founded. But even in really intense, contentious situations, uh, even in cases of, of hostage negotiation, it is possible to negotiate in such a way 
that it ends peacefully. I've had the privilege of, of interviewing uh, the founder of the New York Police Department hostage negotiating team. And if, you're, if you can actually talk down somebody in that crazy situation, surely you can talk sure. with somebody who's just defending another, another sure. client. And you know that, that lawyer made a good point about two delis are sometimes better than one. Uh, I've yet to see a, a street corner without a Burger King and a McDonald's, you know? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Seth, you've also said that skilled legal negotiating depends on specific preparation tasks. For instance, acquiring bargaining chips through discovery and motion practice mm-hmm. is just a part of that critical work. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yes. Um, one of the things that we're trained to do as lawyers is to focus on a certain aspect of preparation. And indeed, much of what litigation ultimately is, is not being in court but gathering evidence and gathering uh, arguments that we hope to persuade the other side to settle over. But that's just kind of a tip of the iceberg. And when you think of it, litigation ultimately is largely about negotiation, 90% or more of litigation settle. So if that's true, then it's all to the good for a lawyer to be thinking about the larger task of getting ready for that negotiation. And skilled negotiators know that there's much more than just having those arguments to prevail with. What that means is that the first and foremost question, the one that I want every one of my law students to tattoo onto their left arm, is this. What does my client want and why? And Frank Scardelli will tell you, and, and Bob Manucle will tell you, that very often lawyers don't really know that. They think they do, but they don't deeply get it. Uh, in, in the Delhi story, the lawyer really got it. But if you're not really clear, if you're thinking, well, it's all about money, you could really miss some very vital things. Beyond that, you want to understand what does the other side want and why. Often you think it's, well, not pay money or pay money or get money. But often there are other things that are much more interesting that can reveal some creative possibilities. And that can give rise to the next question, what are the creative options that might bridge these gaps? And the first and most obvious answer is usually not the best one. And skilled negotiators actually brainstorm and explore these with their clients. There are other things that, uh, that you want to know about, such like what are our bargaining ranges, and there are a number of other things as well, but just those things can really jump, uh, really allow you to, to leapfrog in your skills. Well, you know, it's funny, Seth. I, I was at a mediation, speaking about the point you're making, I was at a mediation where there was a 60-year-old uh, claimant who was representing his mother, who was about an 85-year-old or 90-year-old woman in a nursing home, that had, uh, you know, suffered a fracture, falling off the bed, et cetera. And, you know, through the, through the course of the day, the real issue wasn't so much the money, as you say, for the, for the mother's injuries, which, of course, were, were, was a real issue. But the bigger issue was having somebody come out and tell the nursing home to fix the problems out there. Mm-hmm. That was the real mm-hmm. issue. And, he, and it, once the other side said which was an insurance company, said, we're going to alert our underwriters to go out there and make sure that some of these defects and problems are going to be corrected. The mediation uh, settled. It was very interesting. Well, to your point, there's a, there's a whole movement that I, I know a little bit about called restorative mediation, and the focus there is very much on the possibility that forgiveness and correcting the problem going forward might matter more to plaintiffs than just getting a large sum of money. Um, and when that, that happens, studies suggest 
that often the settlements are for much less money and there's a greater sense of satisfaction. Now, you don't want to do this in a, for a cynical reason, and right. it doesn't always work. But, uh, you know, in the movie Civil Action, the, 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 the denouement is that here's John Travolta delivering this big, hard-earned settlement to the clients, and the clients say, and they're going to fix the problem and apologize, right? And he goes, no, the, the money is basically their way of doing that. And they go, how could you ever think that that would be enough to justify the deaths of our children? And they walk out. Well, that's that's exactly right, and, uh, and of course that all happened around here in Boston, so we're very familiar with uh, that whole case. But what happened in the case I just mentioned is exactly what you just said. The case settled for less money than was anticipated because the defendant stood up and said, we'll go in and fix the problem that caused the, your mother to be harmed. Very interesting. Well, you know, Seth, I understand you also have an interesting recollection uh, involving a federal appeals court mediation involving a top mediator who was critical basically, of all the zealous lawyering that took place in the case, uh, according to him. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's, that is indeed Frank Scardilli, and uh, uh, he has mediated more cases than most of us have ever actually litigated. And he would see, day in and day out, um, federal mediations, uh, federal litigations that were on appeal, where hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars had been spent, and in would walk, and I witnessed this, two lawyers, and they're there because they have to be, and for all we know, their basic attitude was, I just have to check this box before I get to the judges. But they'd walk in, and you know, Frank would ask them, okay, it's just the two of us, the other guy's out of the room. What are your bargaining ranges, and what is your client really concerned about? And the lawyers would look at them totally blankly. You know, I have no idea. I just know my, my, my client and I have decided we just need to fight this out to the, to the death. And Frank would press him and say, That's, you're not serving your client. Come on, can you call him? Can you talk this over? No, I really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd have to get back to you. I'm really not sure. And at the end, you know, Frank would say, this is not competent. This is not what field lawyering is. Because frankly, they're going to they're gonna spend a lot more for this, uh, this appeal, and they're going to come up with a much less satisfying result than they could get right here. It's tragic in some cases. Very interesting. Seth, you've created a game called Sue or Settle, which gives clients a much better understanding of the litigation and settlement process and helps them experience the ongoing decision dilemmas and the traps that they and their attorneys face. Tell us about the game. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, it's a game that uh, I, I, I designed uh, many years ago because I wanted to give my students uh, a visceral experience of what the process is like, at least in a stylistic way. And... Um, we published it from, uh, through Harvard's program of negotiation. It's now available for sale. And it's been used uh, at Harvard Law School, at Yale. It's been used around the world. And I've used it in my own classes. And one of the things that, that we like about it, that I, I like about it, is that um, it's based on simply a card game. And you can play it in about 15 minutes. And essentially what it is is that you have four players, two playing lawyers, two playing clients. The lawyers get to see the cards. The clients don't. And the lawyers counsel their clients verbally, not numerically, and tell them, here's the strength of your case. And every time a card is revealed, the client has to pay the lawyer money, usually twenty or 30000 imaginary dollars. And so, as seven cards are revealed, and each of these cards is a phase of the litigation, the client is running up a bill. And the question is, at what point do we settle this thing? And sometimes they settle rather quickly. But... A fair amount of the time, not unlike real life, the, the the spending will go up to hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases they'll spend 
even though a million imaginary dollars are at stake, they'll spend almost all that money on the lawyers, and sometimes they even go beyond it, all the way to appellate um, uh, review. And that is a good example of something called escalation psychology. And there's a remarkable game that we use right after this one to dramatize it even further. It's called the $20 auction. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll take, and it's not just mine, it's, it's something many uh, professors have used. You take a $20 bill and you say, I'm about to auction off this $20 bill. The one who bids the most for it will get it. And the rule is that if you bid and you are not the highest bidder, you will pay me that bid, that last bid, and get nothing. If you bid the highest, you'll get the 20. So, for example, if Bob bids $6 and Sheila bids 5 Bob will pay 6 and get the 20 Sheila will pay 5 and get nothing. So, what am I bid for this $20 bill? And very quickly, you get bidding around the room one, two, three, four, five dollars, six or seven dollars, and it goes up to eighteen dollars, and then nineteen, and then twenty, and then inevitably there'll be a pause, and someone will raise his hand and say twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, and inevitably it goes up to twenty-five, twenty-seven, thirty, until finally they quit. And then I ask them to tell me, all right, how much did you bid? And we tally up all the bids, and inevitably. They've collectively bid seventy or eighty dollars, and this is a room full of tremendously bright, capable business students or law students. I've done it around the world, and it never fails. And you go, "What's going on here?" Well, it's escalation psychology—the very thing that can drive litigation. And its basic attitude, the basic thinking is, "I'm in too far. I can't quit now." You know, it's it's, it's fascinating because I think we all experience that when we go buy a car. You know, before you know it, we're bidding back and forth with the dealer and. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, sometimes you're you're actually paying more than you ever thought you would because you want you know that particular car. It's 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 fascinating how the escalation goes. And by the way, uh, car dealers actually encourage that thinking very strongly. Well, no question. Well, Seth, uh, before we break, uh, you've seen lots of uh, defense litigation firsthand, especially in your early days as a uh, lawyer. Tell us about a case involving a little boy who was nearly incinerated, uh, a case that the defense firm dragged on for 12 years before getting to trial. Uh, what lessons should we learn other than the one you just told us about, which is uh, it's somewhat in their interest to keep it going because the money keeps flowing? T- tell us about that. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, just a, a, a qualification. I, I witnessed a little litigation, and then I, I actually left litigation very quickly. And partly it was because of this very story. I was a junior associate, and I was reviewing a case they'd handed me. And in the Red Weld, I discovered two shocking facts. This, well, the, the basic backstory was that this, this little boy, five years old, had been playing in the yard. Parents were doing some spraying of insecticide, and some got on him. He came indoors after play, turned on the TV set, and burst into flames. And miraculously, he survived, thank God. But as I'm reviewing the, the Red Weld, I discover two shocking facts. First, he's now ready for college. And second, he's been in litigation ever since for 12 years, he and his family, suing our client, the, 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 uh, the chemical manufacturer. This has gone on for 12 years. And I went to the senior associate running the case, and I said, look, you know, I'm new to this. Is this normal? And he smiled sheepishly, and he said, well, I guess we did our job a little bit too well on this one. And what he meant, of course, was 
our job has been just delay, 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 and hope that this family goes away, gets tired and dissipated and just quits. Tragically, it's actually ironically called scorched earth litigation. And my task that day, and that, 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 for that assignment, was to draft a motion vigorously arguing against a, 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 an evidentiary motion that six months earlier we had argued the opposite position for. And it was all just to drag this on as long as we possibly could, and it was tragic. Well, that's why often people refer to it as the litigation game, because it does sound like that, doesn't it? Well, let's take a quick break right now, but back in a minute, right here on Ringler Radio with Seth Freeman and Bill Wright, talk more about this fascinating subject. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and today I'm joined by my co-host and Ringler colleague, Bill Wright from Atlanta, Georgia, and our special guest, Professor Seth Freeman from NYU Stern School of Business and also Columbia University. Seth, tell us about your soon-to-be-published book, the Ready and Able Negotiator. That must be quite exciting for you. It is, Larry. Thank you. Um, it's based on, on the idea that preparation is crucial to negotiation. And some have argued that 80% of your success at the bargaining table is shaped by what happens before. And most negotiating books, and there are a lot of really good ones, most of them don't focus on preparation as such. They basically tell you these are the basic principles, and of course you'll want to have those in mind when you prepare. This book, Ready and Able Negotiators, designed to specifically walk you through the process of preparation. And in 2010, a, a business professor named Karen Walsh published a study that found that um, um, if you systematically prepare, then not only does, do you tend to produce about 11% more wealth for yourself than you normally would otherwise, but Curiously, the other negotiator also realizes 6% wealth increase on average above what she would have realized if you had not systematically prepared. So it really is a process that can make both sides uh, better off and your side especially well off. And the, the core of the book is, an, uh, is a simple planning tool or mnemonic called I Foresaw It. 
And those are ten letters, and each letter stands for a word, and each word stands for a key question that skilled negotiators answer for themselves before they walk into the negotiating room. And you can do it in as few as 10 or 15 minutes in a crisis, but it expands to the complexity of the situation and the negotiation. Students of mine have used it uh, to save mergers, to transform uh, families that were breaking up, um, and for all kinds of transactions. Terrific. And uh, if I can help you out a little bit here, uh, Seth, where, where where will people be able to find the book? Well, the first, uh, it's not published yet. I am uh, a, uh, I do make it available uh, uh, directly, and so I, I uh, here's my here's my email address until it's formally published. It's sf14 at nyu.edu. Again, sf14 at nyu.edu, um, and it'll eventually be available on Amazon. Oh, terrific! That'll be great. Seth, let's take a look at your classroom work. Um, you're involved both at Stern and at Columbia. What's been the reaction of your to your methodology from your students? Well, it's 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 been exciting because I've had the pleasure of teaching the basic course to both lawyers and to um, uh, uh, MBAs, their future clients, and it's been really curious. MBAs love negotiation in general and creative negotiation in particular, and they really seize on it and they get the idea quickly. When I teach it to law students, understandably, it's a slower absorption rate. It typically takes one or two or maybe even three weeks more for them to really get the idea of creative, mutually satisfying negotiating um, than my business students uh, do. And it's understandable because if you're spending two or three years reading hundreds of, of, of articles, each one beginning with the word versus, yeah. as every case we ever read begins, you're going to have an adversarial mindset. And the idea of collaborating or at least thinking about the other side as well as your own is a foreign idea. So it's not surprising, but eventually they get it. And one of the other satisfactions of my work is that I've actually brought my law students and business students together for joint coursework. They sit side by side, they collaborate, and they produce uh, negotiations uh, along the life cycle of a business. Um, in a special course, and it really is when two worlds collide. Initially, they discover, my God, we think like, you know, you seem like you're from Neptune. How do you think like that? But by the end of it, they actually find, hey, we really can collaborate. We actually understand each other, and it gives them a chance to speak each other's language. Well, Seth, have you, have you been doing this teaching uh, long enough to have uh, seen graduate students and students after graduation uh, in, in the business world, in the legal world, uh, actually employing some of these techniques and, and things you've taught them? Uh, you have just uh, hit on one of the greatest satisfactions of this work is that I hear from my students, my former students. I've even surveyed my former students three, five, ten years out, and they really say, as most um, uh, studies confirm, that negotiation training is one of the most powerful and valuable things they've learned in their graduate work. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've, you know, stories of students who have uh, walked, you know, they've come to work one day. Boss tells them, you know, the merger. Oh yeah, it's going to make our career. Oh yeah, it just fell apart, and there goes our careers. And I don't know what to do, says the boss. But the student sees this as an occasion for applying all of his training. Summons up the eye for thought, sits down, does some preparation, sees his boss, walks her through it, and by the end, she's encouraged. And she commissions him to go talk to the other side. The other side talks with him, and within a few days, not only has he saved the merger, but in the course of his work, he's found a, a legitimate basis for them to save millions of dollars together 
in accounting changes that were that no one had noticed before, and he becomes a hero. Now, how do you do something like that? I frankly am not sure I could do stuff like that, but my students do, and it is such a thrill to see people doing that. Well, it must be gratifying when somehow that word gets back to you. Uh, that must make you feel great. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why so many of us enjoy this work so much. Terrific. Well, Seth, using that as a, as a jumping-off point, what parting advice or words of wisdom do you have for our listeners out there when it comes to negotiation tactics? You've got a tremendous amount of experience in it, and you've actually seen the fruits of it. Uh, what would you tell our audience about uh, what they should take from all this? Sure. First, Larry and Bill, I want to thank you for the, the chance to be with you. It's been a privilege, and I've really enjoyed this. It's, it's, it's very meaningful uh, work that we're our, talking our about. Our pleasure. Um, I guess I would say there are three quick things I would suggest. First is listen, and it is study after study finds it is the top skill negotiators uh, practice when they really are doing it well. And it, the reason is because it reveals, it respects, it relaxes, and resolves. It reveals information that you wouldn't have otherwise picked up on that the other side is sharing. It respects, which lawyers and clients deeply need that feeling for. It relaxes so much so that hostage negotiators make it their absolute number one priority. New York Police Department hostage negotiation team's motto is talk to me, which means listening is their secret weapon. And for that reason, it resolves conflicts that you wouldn't think are likely to resolve. Now, one of the best ways to be ready to listen is to prepare. I find that when I'm not ready for a conversation, I'm more defensive and I'm more shut down. But if I'm prepared, I'm more relaxed and capable of actually absorbing what people are saying to me. So that means, as we've said, beyond just getting your legal case together, doing specific prep tasks like understanding the facts, understanding creative options, knowing your bargaining ranges, understanding the other side's needs. And it gets back to the final point, which is that tattoo I mentioned. The most important idea I would want my, my, uh, my law students to take away is, is to master the question, what does my client want and why? If you're really focusing on her interests, not just win-win-win, you may be a much more capable servant of her, uh, of her mandate, of her needs, and that's the highest call that lawyers have. Terrific. That's uh, tremendous advice, and we thank you very much for that. Uh, now, Seth, you gave us your uh, email address a little earlier uh, talking about your book, but for some of our audience who may not have been quite there yet, why don't you uh, repeat sure. that and tell us uh, how else we could get a hold of you if, if our audience would like to do that. Sure. Um, first, I'll share uh, the, the email address again. It's S as in Seth, F as in Freeman, sf14 at nyu.edu. Again, sf14 at moyu.edu. And my website is worth checking out, too. Sure. It's professorfreeman.com. Professorfreeman.com. And there you'll see videos of me talking about some of these ideas and some useful articles on the same subject. Terrific. That sounds good. And uh, Bill, what about you if our audience wants to reach you? Thanks, Larry. Anybody can reach me at my office at 770-263-7577 or at bwright at wranglerassociates.com and through our website at wranglerassociates.com. Well, that's terrific, too, and uh, Bill is very right, no pun intended, that uh, you go to our website, wranglerassociates.com, and you can find any Ringler Associate around the country, and you can also find any Ringler radio show that we've done. We've done quite a few of them. Uh, You could also find these shows on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or you can go to iTunes, where you can download the shows and uh, listen at your leisure. And uh, 
listen to all the inf- interesting, interesting information, especially uh, as you heard today from Seth Freeman. So with that, Seth, again, thank you very much for joining us today. It was very informative. My great pleasure, Larry. And My Bi- great pleasure. And Bill, thanks for being a great co-host. Thank you, Larry. And to the rest of you out there, go have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. With over a million listeners, Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. Today.